0: Hi everybody and welcome to episode 47 here on the podcast. I am Michael ianni Polarchio welcoming you Friday, September the 22nd. It is early, early morning. I'm a tad under the weather uh, and feel a little low on energy. And I'm not sure if that's just, it's been a very busy week uh, and a very busy month or if it's just one of those things that comes around in the fall and in September, but that doesn't stop us from putting together an interesting show for us to walk through. Two things on today's show. One, we're going to talk about digital tools and their impact or lack of impact on students in the classroom. And secondly, I want to talk about a concept of intrapreneurs. we have talked a lot about entrepreneurs over the last number of episodes, and today I want to focus on this idea of creating a culture of entrepreneurship. So thank you again for joining me. So glad to have this time with you. We'll keep it to a slightly shorter podcast today. Without further ado, let's buckle up and get going. I hope that all of you have been having a great week and a great September. It's hard to believe that we're really on the downslope of this month, and October is just around the corner. I came across a really interesting, call it an article, or actually they were the results of a survey. It was something I came across while I was doing a little bit of research. Um, It was on the Microsoft site. The title of the piece was, K-12 teachers say classroom models need to evolve to prepare Canadian students for the future. So you can see why this headline would have jumped out at me. So I I took a look at it, and this was a survey uh, done by a third party. And they surveyed 503 teachers from across Canada. If you check out the survey, it's online. Again, if you do a a search for that, um, that particular title, K-12 teachers say classroom models need to evolve to prepare Canadian students for the future. Add the word Microsoft and and you should find it. Um, So they surveyed these 503 teachers from across uh, Canada. There's a breakdown in the study as to where everybody um, comes from um, in terms of the breakdown by, by province. And it's very interesting because the little byline here says only half of teachers surveyed in Canada say students are taught in ways that are relevant to the skills they need for the future. Um, And this is something we've talked about before here on the podcast about schools transforming themselves and if, if they don't, there is the risk of not really being relevant in the lives of the students, the needs of the students. In the past, I've also said, you know, we lose relevancy with the parent community. And so it's interesting to see that in a survey, this was conducted in June of 2023, so just a few months ago, educators are seeing this as well. And this is super important because educators are in the classroom all the time with their students. And to see this number here that are identifying this need, to me, is really quite encouraging and and exciting. A couple of other little highlights from the survey results. 79% of teachers that were surveyed think that data literacy and digital citizenship are essential skills. And they have a follow-on question in terms of, you know, how what's the percentage you think that this is actually being taught in the classroom? 22% felt that data literacy was being taught. 53% uh, of teachers felt that digital citizenship was being taught. And I know that in our own school, uh, you know, where I um, have seen this in action, digital literacy is being taught across the board. This is just such a great job. I find the data later, uh, literacy one really co- quite coincidentally is a linking to what we talked about um, in a previous podcast last episode which was the need for data, data uh, science skills to be taught and we're seeing this here as a proof point in this survey where educators are identifying this as an important need but not really being done in the classroom, 35% of the teachers felt that they were equipped with the best digital tools to help them teach. This is where I feel quite fortunate that at Branksome, it'd be interesting to do this kind of survey internally. I would think that this number would be much, much higher in, uh, in our school. But there's an interesting nuance here, uh, and this is why I wanted to to focus on this. They make a distinction in the survey that while digital tools are quite prevalent, they're not specifically used effectively. Okay, 80% of teachers agreed in the survey that they need more tools to um, allow them to be effective uh, uh, teachers but this is a very interesting i'm going to read read these couple of lines here because it's quite important the results this is a quote the results also indicated a clear difference in approach to technology in the classroom between those schools with an established digital strategy and those without when asked if students were more engaged when digital tools are used in the classroom, three-quarters of respondents with a digital strategy agreed. Among teachers in schools without a digital strategy, fewer than half agreed that technology helped to increase engagement. This is quite fascinating to me because it's not just a matter of putting tech uh, and, and bringing innovation into the classroom. The survey results bear that out. You have to have a strategy, a school-wide strategy, and that strategy has to connect to the student experience. It has to connect to the pedagogy. It also needs to connect professional development and capacity building for educators, and it's not surprising to me. I mean, it's, it's nice to see that the survey uh, results from educators indicate this. Less than half feel that students are, are, are more engaged when technology is in the class in the absence of a strategy. But that number shoots way up for those educators who have that in place, both for themselves, perhaps their department, and most certainly as something that exists school-wide. The other part in uh, the survey that I found quite interesting is 6 out of 10 teachers, so 60%, said that teaching methods should change to make the most of today's digital tools. This gets to... Sort of the three things I talked about, you know, having the strategy, connecting it to pedagogy, and making sure that there's professional development. But I think looking as well and equipping teachers, giving them time to either build capacity in this area in terms of different approaches, have departments cross or uh, interdepartmental um, working groups that look at ways to transform daily practice in the classroom and if if that transformation can happen, we get a higher effectiveness of the use of these types of tools we get higher engagement from students so check that survey out like i said it's it's uh it's quite interesting there's a lot of other um, good pieces inside uh, the survey data. Um, they do talk about engagement uh, and inclusion. And there's, a, there's some interesting uh, statistics there that you might want to check out. But I did find you know, the, the elements around strategy and the need for these new models, these new approaches um, to really enter into this era of, of teaching within what they call digital innovation. Uh, we've been calling it here you know, a time of exponential change. And it's interesting that when you you look, there's a line here early on in this piece, while teachers have just begun to consider the implications of AI in education, 41% of teachers believe that students should learn about generative AI to equip them for life outside the school. And that number, that's looking at all teachers. When you look at grades 7 to 12 exclusively, that number rises to 50%. And this is something we've talked about here as well. And I've, I've seen this firsthand in my eight years at Branksome. Artificial intelligence as a technology we know has had an extraordinary uptake just in the mainstream amongst the everyday user. And I would say that it it's also one of the technologies that has really, really taken hold with educators. And so it's, it's interesting to see here that the survey results bear that out as well. 50% of educators recognize that it is important for students to learn about generative AI, to learn how to use generative AI, to learn its limitations, you know as a balance against its capabilities, one of the things that I was just recently talking to uh, with one of our academic leaders uh, was the possibility of offering just some professional development internally for our educators around prompt engineering or writing really good prompts for artificial intelligence and there's some some great courses I've been through one online, and I'm taking bits and pieces of that sort of retrofitting it uh, so that the examples um, can be connected to the everyday work that teachers do themselves and the types of things that we might want to, you know bring forward to our students. And so I'm hoping that's something that I'll be able to get off the ground and and run a session or two uh, in the area of prompt writing. Um, hopefully run that before the holiday break. Anyway, go check out the survey if you're interested, if you're one of those types of people that's data-driven and likes to see the numbers. It definitely highlights and reinforces the trends that we've talked about here so many times. I had the pleasure this week to meet with a broad group of parents that uh, we had together to talk about innovation not going to get too much into the nature of of, uh, how that came to be but i was just so fortunate to to have this opportunity and these are our parents that uh, came together and spent some time uh, it was myself uh, our extraordinary uh, principal karen jervich and we talked about innovation and and we put our students their children at the center of this conversation and when I journaled that evening, as I um, regularly do and sort of reflect on my, my day, I started thinking a lot about entrepreneurship because we talked about that. Um, one of the programs, uh, if you're a, a longtime listener here, you'll know that I've talked about this program that we created at the school called Noodle. And that's an entrepreneurial program. It's, it's an accelerator program. Uh, In our middle and senior school, it's a 16-week kind of curricular program spread out over 32 uh, elapsed weeks, and students build businesses. Uh, We launched a version of this as well in our junior school last year to great success. And again, I've I've talked about those programs, so I don't want to um, spend too much time talking about that here. But suffice it to say, entrepreneurial skills and entrepreneurial mindset are hugely important to to what we 're doing at the school and ensuring that girls every girl has this opportunity to develop this and through the discussion with these parents, you know there was a sentiment that increasingly these future generations will need to be entrepreneurial. There was a comment though that Big corporations, established organizations need intrapreneurs. And this is what I want to talk about today. Getting the skills, building the skills of an entrepreneur can serve you well even if you never start your own company. And the reason for that is in the world that we are in, this world of disruption, this world that is increasingly becoming digitized, this world where artificial intelligence is redrawing the the boundaries that that have always existed. Organizations, large organizations, have to have ways to become nimble. And that's hard for large organizations to do because they're large. And I came across... uh, I forget what day I tweeted this. You can look at my Twitter if you like. Uh, you can find me at MIP69. And I tweeted this article about establishing an entrepreneurial culture. Right, It's this idea of an individual or a group of individuals that think like entrepreneurs and have the skills uh, that entrepreneurs have, and they apply that internally. That's why it's intrapreneurial. And when I came across this article in my early morning reading, I thought, hmm, this really kind of links, you know, sometimes you just, again, you coincidentally find things uh, that revolve around other conversations you've been having. And while this article is focused on the corporate world, what's important is it's the world of work and it's eventually where our students will go. Secondly academic institutions are just like every other organization and they too i believe can benefit from entrepreneurial thinking so whether you're listening to this you're an administrator in a school or you're a department head or if you're in some other completely unrelated industry this still quite applies and we're going to just quickly look at what are the building blocks if you want to create this type of culture inside your own organization. Uh, the article um, that I was referencing comes from Strategy and Business. Um, that's a PWC publication. Um, it's from earlier in the summer, so from, it's from August the 9th. And I won't go through all elements of it, but I want to, I want to tease out and pull out a variety of, of building blocks or things that they highlight. Um, and in no particular order, I'm going to skip some of them that are here because they're, they're, they're not exactly relevant, but the first one is model behaviors. That if you want people inside your school, or whatever organization, to, to emerge and embrace being intrapreneurs, you have to model that behavior yourself. You have to, you have to be uh, an active entrepreneur. And the article gives some suggestions. It says you, know, you could spend more time with customers, call them your end users, your end stakeholders. For us, that would be students and parents. And, and get close to where the work is happening because that's what entrepreneurs do. They have to do that. But in large organizations, that's not not exactly natural at all times. So if you want to build that entrepreneurial uh, culture, model the behavior. Secondly, look for ways to reduce friction. Smooth the way for folks that are trying to do things and might be being slowed down by good sort of internal processes that serve a large organization or long starting, a long-standing organization quite well, but can really kill entrepreneurial um, types of things. So identify the types of obstacles that might be there and when those things can be smoothed out uh, or bypassed for specific types of entrepreneurial things that you see emerging within your own organization another element that they highlight they say create a platform for opportunities so this is really this idea of how do you drive a pipeline of grassroots sort of innovation grassroots entrepreneurial type activity within the organization you've got to be able to to have a mechanism that allows for people to feed ideas in, connect ideas with other people inside the organization, and, and sort of run with those ideas um, in, a, in a managed process, but not an overly managed process, as we talked about before. Um, I'm going to skip a couple, I'm going to skip down because I think this next one goes well with this idea that if you create this platform for opportunities, right? then what you've got to do is you've got to increase autonomy. You've got to give people autonomy. If they believe they can be entrepreneurs, then you've got to give them that autonomy. But with autonomy comes increased accountability and responsibility. So what you can do is, through professional development or other types of learning opportunities, you can build that capacity for people to make decisions through the lens of that, that entrepreneur or entrepreneurial spirit. If everything has to roll back up to you know, different levels of management, or within a school, if it has to roll up to different levels of academic leaders and then up to senior leaders, it it quashes that entrepreneurial spirit. They also say review and simplify the central innovation process, make it easier for entrepreneurs to share, test, develop, and scale their opportunities. So I think these three things go hand in hand. Create a platform for these opportunities, and that's done through increasing autonomy and coupling it with simplifications of how things move through that pipeline. And to have this process and have your entrepreneurs understand, you know, they're, 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 they're rapidly prototyping something or they're rapidly sort of evolving an idea, but they've got to share it. They've got to test it. They've got to refine it. And then they've got to look for ways to scale that, um, uh, you know, internally. So it's a very interesting um, article. I think it's something as well that if schools embrace this and allow their educators and allow their employees to do this it trickles down into the classroom right because then we're living and breathing it and it's something that we can model for our students and they in turn build these important skills and if they go off and become entrepreneurs amazing and if they go and work for a more traditional type of organization, they can still be those agents of change, those entrepreneurs that are shaking things up, that are driving innovation, that are push, pushing the organization in ways to be agile and nimble and attuned to what's happening in the outside world. Well, there's the music and we know what that means. We're gonna conclude episode 47 here. Get this out before everybody's day starts. Thanks again for joining me here. Next week, be sure to join. I've got two special guests that are joining that will be talking about leadership and a special initiative that's taken place at the school that I wanna be able to share with the broader listening community. Until we connect again, everybody, stay well, Stay better than I am, I guess, at this moment. Stay curious. And until we connect again next week, let me simply say, ciao.